Welcome to the Uncanny Adventures podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome back to our Uncanny Adventure Call of Cthulhu. Uh, We are continuing uh, Reign of Terror, a Call of Cthulhu adventure from Cassium. And it is written by Mark Morrison. And I have with me tonight my intrepid investigators, so we're going to go around and let them say hello again and reintroduce their characters. And we're going to let um, our player who is joining us tonight also introduce his characters. So we'll start on my screen with Dylan. Oh, OK. Uh, I'm Dylan. Hi. Uh, I'm going to be playing uh, Jean Dupois, who is a nasty, sour, drunk so- soldier who lost his wife last year. Uh, he's a monarchist, uh, and he has a puppy now. So, there you go. <laughs> and Scott. Hey, um, I'm going to be playing Christopher Pressy, and I'm not sure if I'm saying that right because I'm not French. But he's a big, um, he's a big romantic to say the least. He's got a high, uh, high stats and appearance. If you know what I mean. And we, and we call him Christophe. Christophe Pressy. All right. And uh, Katie. I am playing Joseph Hugel, um, also known as uh, Martine Hugel, because she is in disguise as her husband who was injured. Um, she is uh, she is like very good at uh, disguise and talking her way out of things and um and is also a um, revolutionist. She does not uh, support the monarchy or anything like that. She wants uh, everything to go back to how it was. Um, And she is tired of Pressy already. (laughs) That's that's on me, though. (laughs) That's me fucking with Scott. (laughs) That was great cockpock last time, though, I will admit. Yep. (laughs) Left room for Leo. And then we have, joining us tonight, we have Jamie, who is uh, joining us. Jamie, tell us a little bit about yourself and your character. Um, a little bit about myself. Um, I actually don't really stream too much, but I do play in Katie's home game. She's our DM. I drive her crazy every time with my sneak attack damage. And my character, I made the mistake of picking someone with an extremely French name, <laughs> Etienne Babon. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly at all, but he is a proud and devout monarchist. He's described as large, robust, and handsome. Uh, He was a gunner in the military until his left hand was blown off through an errant gunpowder incident. And normally that would end somebody's career, but his good looks and military bearing meant that rather than being discharged, he was transferred to a non-combat role. So he's kind of in front of parades, standing sentry, carrying messages around, basically kind of like the color guard of the military, doing all the official proper stuff. And he has a adopted orphan gunner boy named Cesar. And Babon is using all of his money to put him through college to become a doctor. And he's very, very proud of his son. And he is picking him up and bringing him back to Paris when all the other shenanigans from last time happened. Uh, He's an extrovert, very enthusiastic, and sees the best in everybody, even though probably sometimes he shouldn't. But 
he got pretty far in life this way, so he's okay with it. And he has a artificial wooden left hand. And he's also slightly deaf because of being a gunner for so long, kind of messed with his hearing a little bit. So that's going to be fun to play. <laughs> All right. So last time we uh, started our game, the members of the unit, the French army unit, were assigned during the night outside the catacombs of Paris. Uh, an overweight, heavyset doctor who serves the king and queen was helping direct as some hired uh, civilians were bringing the bones and the bodies from the cemetery because the cemeteries in Paris have become very overloaded over the years uh, down into the catacombs. While they were there, a white carriage with red trim came careening through the streets at fast speed, not even heeding the dangers of the populace in the street at all. And two men were run down while they were trying to work. Meanwhile, some of the workers in the catacombs came scrambling out, screaming about some kind of monster down below. They didn't want to go back in, but they were quickly uh, encouraged to go back when the doctor ordered the soldiers to shoot one of the workers in order to drive the other ones back to their job. The soldiers accompanied them back into the catacombs just to keep an eye out. And there was, in fact, something strange that they encountered. But after a careful shot, <laughs> um, the creature seemed to be wounded and ran away and disappeared into the darkness of the catacombs. And they didn't hear from it again during the evening. A while later, a captain arrived and directed the sergeant and his men to leave their post and go to a local printer where something had happened and they needed to investigate. On the way, Hugel stopped because there was some kind of a uh, small gathering outside one of the bakeries and actually managed to thwart a possible riot as there is not enough uh, bread to go around and people actually have to get on a waiting list for bread sometimes because of just a lack of food in general for the poor. At the printer shop, they found a very gruesome scene. They discovered that the printer, his wife, and his sons had all been murdered, and the family dog as well. The dog was decapitated. The family was hung from the ceiling with their throats slashed. Their blood was drained into buckets, and it was poured into the printing press, where it was used to print a message across the top of another pamphlet that the printer was printing. The printer had been encouraging the local populace to support themselves, to represent themselves, because the monarchy isn't doing what it can for the people. And this new message reminded these people that maybe they should know their place. Afterward, our investigators traveled to Versailles. They were sent to meet with the captain when they got there, they waited while their sergeant dealt with finding the captain, figuring out where they had to go. Pressy saw in the, in the gardens behind the palace the beautiful love interest that he swoons over at church sometimes. But she was being hit on by another handsome young gentleman. So Pressy, deciding to not lose his game hit on a few of the other young ladies who were unaccompanied. Meanwhile, <laughs> the group was led into a meeting inside one of the apartments in the palace. And there, the doctor, 
who had been working in the catacombs, told them that he needed them to do a mission for him. That a certain count had the ear of the queen and he didn't trust this German count. And he wanted them, this, this group, to travel to the count's residence and find evidence that he is not who he says he is so that the doctor can prove to the king and queen that he is not a friend of France and can have him expelled from court. So where we left off, the party had recognized that this count that they're going to investigate was the owner of the carriage that had actually run down the citizens in Paris outside the catacombs. They confronted his manservant who had been less than cooperative. And now they're waiting outside the doors of the palace while the sergeant collects their final orders from the captain before they head out to follow up on this mission. And approaching them across the way is none other than Babon. Bonjour. Bonjour. He's going to walk on over to everybody, making sure his uniform is still as pristine as it should be. Ah, I see you keep your uniform just as pristine as you should. But of course, I'm in charge of all the parades. I'm right up front. I have to look pretty. Uh, Martine is just sort of standing there in attention, uh, being on her best behavior. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And uh, as you guys look around, uh, it's still the same as before. Uh, all these different aristocrats are milling about. They, they seem to just, you know, drinking and eating and flirting amongst each other and just enjoying each other's company as if they have no cares in the world. Um, you did hear last time in some uh, conversation between some of them, uh, it sounded like the uh, the Dauphin, the crown prince, has taken ill. He's been taken back to Paris to be treated by the doctor. Um, but the king and queen are still here in Versailles in residence. Um, you know, you can see in the distance behind the palace, uh, Mary Antoinette has like a mock village set up and you've heard tale, like you've never seen her do it, but you've heard how she likes to play at being a milkmaid and she dresses up and she goes out and she likes to pretend to be, you know, of lowly birth and just play in her little village, which it actually angers the locals quite a bit. They, they, they don't like that she plays it their lifestyle when she has one that's so much above them. Um, and uh, Pressy, you can see now um, Melody Benoit and her father, Count Benoit, are still walking through the garden together. The young gentleman who kind of caught her ear has wandered off with his, with his comrade and are kind of talking amongst themselves as they walk through the garden. And it's just, it's probably about mid-afternoon now. And just uh, everything's kind of calmed down. Servants running, running back and forth, delivering food and wine and cleaning up after these this rabble of aristocrats. So what do you guys want to do? Um, she turns to look at uh, Pressy and um, Dupois. And I believe we should fill in our new companion. And then perhaps question the count, or at least see where he is. 
We right. were uh, supposed to go to his estate, yes? Yes, oh. that is true. Uh, maybe I could go ask some of these uh, nice ladies if we can get some more information on them. I'm sure that uh, at least one of them has heard a few rumors from the Count. In character, she's shaking her head, just eyes closed. <laughs> so Obviously, I'm, I'm Melody, right? Melody? Melody, yes. Yes. Um, yeah, Dupont just rolls his eyes and like takes a swig. So, um, Pressy, you know that um, Melody's father, the Count, has uh, forbade her to see you. Like when you two catch each other uh, in moments of quiet, it's it's usually like during mass when he's distracted or afterward. He he is absolutely against you having anything to do with his daughter. He does not see you as high enough birth to to qualify to be anywhere near Melody. So anytime he's around, you know, you have to keep kind of a distance because he will, he has angrily chased you away with his cane, cane before after mass. Um, you said he walked away. I'm wondering if that meant like away or like he's just keeping an eye on the other side of the party or something. Um, he, he and Melody are kind of walking sort of down one of the paths behind the palace in the garden. And while, oh, oh, okay. He's and keeping her on a tight leash. He is, but while you are looking and kind of looking around, someone does come up and tap you on the shoulder, and you hear this this little voice, and she's like, "Bonjour, bonjour." I put on my act. Uh, you turn around and you see a very beautiful young woman. She's uh, got her wig all done up nicely. She's in this beautiful dress, and you recognize her. Her name is Madame de Brienne. Um, she is actually married to a very old aristocrat, uh, Count de Brienne. And so she is kind of like, sort of the court, like flirt. She kind of flirts around because her husband is sort of old and senile. He can't see too well and he doesn't hear too well either. And she is, she loves the gossip circles. She just likes to be in the know on whatever's going on. And she's very friendly. She waves to all of you in the, in the, uh, the unit. She's like, oh, hello. I, I greet her properly by holding her hand and then kissing the ring. She smiles and she says, how are you? Are you trying to catch a sweet moment with the love of your life over there? Ah, uh, yes. But alas, it appears that it is out of my grasp at the moment. Yes, I did see that uh, young Marco uh, was trying to catch her eye. In fact, the Count is very interested in Marco, perhaps wooing. Melody, how would you feel about that, Pressy? I believe you know how I would feel about that. Oh. Maybe he needs a talking to. Marco? Oh, yes. I mean, perhaps. He is a brash young man, new new to court, but he is handsome to look on. Perhaps when my, hus my husband passes on, or not. Is this um, the Leonardo DiCaprio? Yeah. Okay. Yes, it's Leo. Um, if, if possible, I try to get like the latest gossip and rumors about the the nobleman, specifically about the count we're looking for. But I'm probably trying to be fairly discreet about it, not like opening right out of the gate. Like, hey, what do you know about this guy we're going to this house for? Uh, sure. So she'll make small talk for a few minutes about it. And then as you kind of segue around and she, she kind of shares with you a little bit, you know, she brings up the Dolphine. She shares with you, um, 
this and that about other happenings in court. She tells you about how supposedly uh, the king has decided to, <laughs> she flips her head up in the air when she says it. Oh, he's decided to have the aristocrats, the next, what you know, whatever. And then the poor are all supposed to have a say in some gathering sometime in the month or so. I, I think it's rubbish. The king should just tell everyone what to do. But uh, this is a new idea he has for the governance of France at the moment, I suppose. Um, and then she'll come around to Fenelik. And when she does, uh, she looks like she pales slightly, which is pretty impressive considering she's fairly pale to begin with. And she says, um, uh, well, he is rumored to have the most extravagant soirees at his estate. Um, as my husband is, is not the soiree type, we do not attend these, these parties. And I, of course, it would be not appropriate for me to attend without my husband. But I, I don't know much more than that. It's, it's usually very hush-hush as to why they're so amazing. But it's an invitation is, is so sought after now here in, in the palace and in court that I, I'm almost curious, but at the same time, he he makes me very nervous. I've seen him, I've, he's looked on me when speaking to my husband before, and I mean, men look on me. I am, I am beautiful, but I don't think he looks on me because of that. It's almost like, I feel like he's looking on me like some kind of piece of meat. It's his eyes, they're so, so, just, there's no emotion there. He bothers me. Bothers me terribly. And she kind of looks around like she's nervous somebody might have heard her say that. Some men can be quite savages. They disguise themselves with the mask of man. <sighs> this is very true. This is why, though my husband is an older man, he is not, he's not a bad man. So if I had to, if I had to choose to marry someone, I, I, I would take him at, at, again as my husband. But, but that is enough about me. I, I am keeping you though, am I not? You should, you have things to do. Would it be possible you could get me an invitation to one of these parties? Maybe I could return the favor in some way? Uh, um, per perhaps I can. Do me a favor, Scott, roll me a luck roll. Oh, oh, boy. <laughs> All right, here These we go. always go so well. I mean, I'm the bard of the party. I got to be doing this stuff. Mm. <laughs> I just need to find luck. <laughs> it's under your HP. Mm -hmm. It's already going well. The green, the green button, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she says, um, I, I, I could try, but I don't know that... Uh, it would not look strange for me to to ask, but I, I will try to do my best. She says, uh, I will see you soon if I if I can acquire one. And she uh, she will excuse herself to go. And she sees her. You see her husband kind of hobbling by with his cane. And he's got one of those like ear horns kind of around his neck and the biggest like glasses on his face. And he's just hobbling along. So she she goes along and she kind of catches him under the arm and sort of pecks him on the cheek. And then over the shoulder, she gives you all a wave goodbye. 
So meanwhile, as this has happened, uh, the sergeant comes back out from inside the palace and he looks around at you all and he says, come, come with me. And he kind of escorts you into a, a just a quiet corner away from the hubbub. And he says, we are to leave at once. We are to secure our horses and anything we might need. And we're to go to this pussy, to the Count's estate. Um, this is a secret. No one else must know besides those of us here. Uh, we cannot be spotted. This can't come back because if we don't find proof that Fenelik is doing things against the king, we are all in very little trouble as he has the ear of Mary Antoinette, the queen. And should he turn us in and she believes him, all of us may face the guillotine. So. What exactly is he trying to do to the king? Do you know? I do not know exactly what the doctor and the captain suspect. They have not filled me in completely. They, this man has only recently arrived at court in, within this year. And somehow, even being a foreigner, they tell me he's German. He has risen so high in favor that he, the queen simply will see him at request and other notable aristocrats curry his favor. It is very disturbing. He seems to just move so freely through these inner circles that he should not have such freedom in. And the doctor thinks he is up to something and wants to prove it. But we have to be careful because being an aristo, we cannot confront him without evidence or it is our heads that will be on the chopping block. And he looks around, he's like, do you all understand? We, we. All right, then. And uh, so he says, he starts to lead you out. And as he's leading you out, uh, all of a sudden you start to hear screams coming from like the garden. So just like, uh, it starts like, like a small cluster. And then you, you can see like people sort of running around and others screaming. And you see like some of the servants running and like, just dashing into the palace. Some of them are running into uh, where the carriages are kept for the king and queen. And you see them carrying like bags and, and luggage out. And there is just like complete mayhem all of a sudden. And people are freaking out. So who wants to roll me some listen checks to see if you can catch more than just the screaming? I'm totally going to. All right. I'm... Oh my God. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Yeah. That's eight points of luck. Oh, don't, don't do it. Oh, 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 oh. You want to you hear it. You want to do it. You do. I know I want to do it, but I'm like already really low luck. But you <laughs> really want to do it. I want to push it. Is someone else going to roll? Are you going to roll on oh, me? Okay, okay. I didn't <laughs> want to roll. Yes, you can I'll all roll. roll. I'll roll for a I, d- I don't want to. Yeah, because you're deaf. <laughs> 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 I don't want to. Oh my god! I succeeded. That's <laughs> out of twenty. That's like the dumbest luck in the world. The partially deaf guy. So years. <laughs> so while Pressy and Hugel uh, are sort of like 
looking around in surprise. And Dupois doesn't seem to care either way. It's just like, oh, these, you know, the Aristos are losing it over something. Babylon actually is standing close enough to a couple of servants, and you hear them say, the Dauphine is dead. That the crown prince has died, and the king and queen are packing up to head back to Paris immediately. And there's like just complete mayhem at this moment. As everyone um, is passing the word to each other. He's going to, Babon will turn to the rest of the group and just say, the prince is dead. He, he what? died. Oh. I'm sure we should leave then. This is going to put the whole palace into an uproar. It's already happening. Yes, the sergeant uh, looks around and he says, ah, yes, we must go because... Uh, now everyone will be will be leaving here with the king and queen leaving. We must mm. we must hurry to Posse and be prepared to enter the count's residence and find this evidence for the doctor. This the queen will be completely beside herself. This is a moment where this man may try to take advantage of her grief. We cannot have that. We we must we must hurry. Yes, we mm. must hurry. Um, and he quickly starts leading you across toward the, uh, the stables where you put your horses and things like that. And you see these other aristocrats moving and running. Everybody roll me spot hidden checks as this is happening. Okay. I, I was about to ask, can I like look for something? I, I you looked real good. I totally don't <laughs> see anything. <laughs> nope. That person has Ebola. I can see the germs. Okay. They were hidden. So as you guys are all making double time for your for your the stable for your horses and where your packs and everything's were left, Pressy, um, you see through this throng of aristocrats who are like going for the to their wagons and stuff, you see this figure sort of just walking through the crowd, just kind of marching with just purpose not pausing people are actually getting out of his way he's wearing a long coat that goes down to like his knees he's got this perfectly manicured wig and uh you you kind of stop as your comrades kind of get ahead of you a little bit and you have this flash of of like memory and you remember the other night you remember that carriage rushing at those two men in the road and you realize that in, in the, the, the heat of everything and the, the speeding wagon, these men getting hit, you've seen this man before. You saw him in the carriage for a split second. He was sitting in the back, his arms wrapped around a woman. He was leaning in, kissing her neck. And his eyes sort of like made contact with yours for just a minute. But they were this deep, like dark, haunting eye and then and you kind of shiver for a second roll me a power check please pressy i don't even know what that means <laughs> am i am i using magic now it's will basically yeah it's basically okay. like you're you're okay so um oh wow so you it does for just a second sort of uh you feel this chill down your spine you uh can just roll me a sanity check real quick <laughs> okay um you only lose uh one point of sanity though because your your power check was so so extreme 
Um, but you like kind of just freeze up for a second as you see this man just strutting and he is making a direct line for the white and red carriage. Um, if, if I can, I'm going to scream, you stop. And I like try to do it loud enough. So the rest of the group hears this as I start to pursue him. Oh, Dupont turns around and is like, proceed. What? But but what I you doing? I won't presume completely unless I know everybody's following me. So if it's just me, I'm not going to go on a suicide mission. I mean, Dupont will go after Pressy just to like stop him because he's like, "What the fuck are you doing, you idiot?" You see me grabbing my gun too, but oh Jesus! <laughs> uh, can I try and catch up and stop you? <laughs> I don't know what I'd have to roll for that. So uh, you can uh, you do can you can run after him. Um, and the sergeant actually turns around and says, soldiers, halt to both of you as you're running. And I, I stop. And he kind of uh, double times to catch up too. And, um, as he does, do, uh, do Baban and Hugel follow the sergeant over as well? I'm, I'm immediately pointing towards the character <laughs> of the guy, like to the um, sergeant. I think if I've seen the sergeant, Lee, I wouldn't have really cared if it was Pressy, but if I watched the sergeant go after Pressy, then yes, I would have. Yeah. Babon, he'd probably take, Babon would probably take an extra two steps before he heard and realized what was happening, so, and then he'll <laughs> go after them. All right. So uh, the Count, actually, uh, having heard you yelling, he stops his clipped walk toward his carriage. He turns around and he comes walking back toward you. And he's like glaring into Pressy, like into your eyes. But you see like sort of his head cock as you like, you keep his his stare. You don't kind of turn away from it at this point. And uh, he walks over and he says, Bonjour, what do you need? Do I know you? No, but I believe we've seen each other maybe a night ago. You do have a face that's one of those faces someone maybe couldn't forget. I could say the same. Yeah. Wait, you seem to be rather calm in this situation. As I'm looking around and probably still people panicking and stuff. There will be enough people who are out of their minds. Some of us need to keep our heads in order to comfort those that are grieving. Hmm. A shame to hear about the boy. Consumption is a terrible disease, especially in one so young. Wait, sorry, I'm forgetting which boy? The Dauphine, the okay. prince? Okay, I wasn't sure if it was the boy here, like the prince, or if it was the kids that were killed last session. No. Or, sure. No, he is referring to the prince. Okay. I give him I give him the glare, but I'm not I obviously I don't have the jurisdiction to do anything here. Mm. He says, uh he he looks at you all and he says, I've heard that the boy's doctor has been responsible for exhuming the dead. What if that fat old man infected him? Wouldn't that just be a shame? And his expression doesn't change when he's doing this. He doesn't look like it's just a flat kind of stare. Okay. Um, I said, yes, that would be a shame. 
And um, I'm pretty, Cressy's pretty much done with the conversation because obviously he's not going to get anything from him. And like the surgeon said, <clears throat> he has no evidence on him. So I can't do crap here without getting my head on the chopping block. He, he smiles this like, like emotionless smile. It does not touch his eyes. And he says, I bid you adieu. I must make haste away today. And he just sort of turns and starts to walk back toward his carriage where the footman has the door open and is waiting for him and has already kind of pulled up the, the cloth over his face, the dark black cloth that he had over his face the other night. And he, as he's passing another carriage, you see him, uh, Fenelik, turn and say, ah, Will I see you tonight then, my dear? And you just see uh, an older man lean out and you recognize Melody's father lean out and he says, Ah, oh, yes, she will be accompanying Marco de Fibiol to your residence tonight. Please keep a close eye on my daughter. Will you count? And he says, Of course, sir. And then he continues to his carriage and climbs in. And before, like without even heeding other people who are coming and going, you see him, the, the horseman, the footman climb up, get in the driver's seat and whip the horses up and they take off at speed out of the gates. I, I, I like to think when anybody interferes with Cressy, because he's probably just going to sit there like staring in awe, like, mm. oh my God, what the hell? Um it's going to do the camera thing where the camera physically moves forward towards Pressy's face, but it zooms out. So like the background kind of like, you know, you know, that camera effect. I'm talking mm -hmm. about. That's it. Okay. The sergeant says, we, we must make haste immediately. If we're to find any evidence, we must get the Poissy and set our plan in motion. And, uh, we have to get back no here more, with that. No more stupidity. And Dupois just sort of slaps uh, Pressy on the shoulder. <laughs> he says, uh, we will we will go to the Counts. We will infiltrate the grounds. We will find this evidence. We'll bring it back for the captain and for the doctor. And mm. we will do our duty for France. <sighs> that man. Ugh. Germans. Yes. Ugh. So um, he hands you quickly... Just a, a quick uh, letter to, like, say, you know, run to the, uh, get any supplies you need. He has, like, a, he scratched out orders if you guys need any ammunitions or anything like that from the barracks before you run. And he's going to get the horses ready to go. <laughs> I'm getting munitions. I fired a few, mostly a lot. Okay. Last session, remember I shot at the dog? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so he hands you the, the writ so you can go quickly and get um basically if you need gunpowder or anything like that all right make sure have enough i i don't think we'll need it but you know just in case 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 there's a monster or anything <laughs> not a, the only monster here is man <laughs> It's true. That just is case, true. Just in case someone's tongue is on melodies and it isn't mine. Shit. <laughs> well, <laughs> then. Okay. All right. Wow. Okay, Wait, what's my sanity? Never mind. And now we oh, know why Preston's going to die okay. first. He's going <laughs> to pop off on someone. It's possible. 
All right. So you, wow. you collect your gear, you collect your horses, and you ride for Poise. Um, I, I got to ask, is there a misfire uh, mechanic for Flintlock? Because that'd be a hilariously sad way for us to die. Uh, but yeah, if you roll a critical fail. <laughs> Bumble. Just ask, mean, ask Baban about his hands. I was going to say, <laughs> I think we know how misfires work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, good to know. Yes. All right, so you uh, head out. It is uh, it is summer. It's June. You uh, head through the for- forest de Saint Germain. Um, it's uh, it's a ni- kind of nice weather, but the road traffic is fairly sparse as you're heading along at this hour, and the shadows in the trees seem longer and darker than than you feel comfortable with, and as you're riding. Um, you notice it's quiet, like the normal animal sounds aren't being heard from the, the forest off the road. And it, it's very unnerving how, how just quiet and shadowy it is on this, even on this beautiful summer day that you're riding through. Um, but you make a good time and toward late afternoon, you do arrive in the small town. It's a collection of tall houses that range around a square. And there's a steeple um, of the church that overshadows the town. So as the afternoon is lengthening, you can hear as you're riding through like mothers calling for their children to come in for dinner and things like that. Uh, it looks like uh, the windows and things, though, are they're shuttered even on this nice day. And the doors to the inn are also kept closed as you ride past it. You can see up on a hill uh a ways up away from the town itself there is this large like manse and the sergeant points out that that is count fenelik's estate and mansion and um so as you're riding through you can see some local commoners and stuff just moving about they kind of eye you as you go by but none of them like sort of try to get your attention or talk to you they sort of try to go about their business Hmm. Well, we're we're just gonna we're rushing up there, right? Does does anyone else need want to stop or? Man, I don't. I don't think uh, Hugo would see the point to stop. She would just continue on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It seems like this is kind of the prime opportunity for us to get some information. In. If he's going to go, because the prince is dead, so he'd presumably be comforting Marie Antoinette. So this is probably our best shot right now. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so as you guys are heading up, the, the sergeant says, I think that we should err on the side of caution. I think that Bomains and I should watch the road and the rest of you should take the woods to the, to the mansion itself. I don't think that we should be seen approaching officially to Fenelik's mansion at this time, just in case. Good idea, Sergeant. So he will uh, kind of dismount as you guys kind of go up the cobblestone road a little ways, and he gets off and starts to lead his horse kind of off into the tree line. Mm-hmm. And he has you guys follow him in. When you guys kind of are off the road and out of sight, make me listen checks. Hey, guys. 
guys, I failed every roll I've made. Yeah, you have. Jeez. I realistically failed this time. Hey, Dupois could spend some... Uh, yeah, that's not a lot of luck to push it. Sure, I'll do it. 25 mm-hmm. points. Okay. And... Scotty, did you roll a listen check? Yeah, I succeeded. It said... Um, okay. Oh, there it is. All right, so... Uh, Dupois and uh, Pressy, you kind of are bringing up the rear end of the tree line, and mm. you hear a very familiar sound of uh, wagon wheels on stone. And you turn and look through the trees, and you see a white carriage with red trim racing up the cobblestone heading for the mansion. And you realize that Fenelik's carriage has returned to Poissy. Yikes. <laughs> The sergeant turns and says, damn it, he didn't go to the city. We must be even more careful not to be seen and caught. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps we should head up and see what this mansion looks like. Mm. So he I will. He might be expecting us, though. He knows we're curious. Perhaps, perhaps not. Let's tie off the horses here. And we'll go a little ways further. And then the four of you, and he points at you four, uh, can do some reconnaissance up to the house itself. So, so Bowmanes and the sergeant tie off their horses and they head back toward the road to keep an eye out with their muskets. And you four are left to your own devices. What do you want to do? Okay, so how is this, how is this house set up? Uh, is there like a wall around the house, like separating it from the woods or is it just woods and then the house? Okay. So as you move uh, up through the trees to get a better look, just mm-hmm. uh, roll me a spot hidden. Any, all four of you, because you're all going. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's everyone but Katie. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> It really is. Wow. I am so angry. Have that you is, succeeded on a roll yet? That's the lowest you've rolled tonight. That no, 79 is the lowest no. you've rolled tonight. It's cool. I have burning wheel tomorrow. Get it out of my system, roll 20. Do it. Like, Get it out of my fucking system. Like from last session and this session, have you succeeded? I like what? No, she did. She did oh, the cock block okay. me. I oh, did literally kitty, <laughs> I succeeded. And then I succeeded to talk the, the people out of like trying to kill the baker. That's true. <laughs> that, that, that was important. Good job. All right. I quit, Jeanette. I'm done. <laughs> no, I love you for <laughs> having these for rules. 45 minutes and I'm done. No, I love it. It's great. Your girl's just like, I'm a woman. <laughs> I'm a woman. <laughs> Hear me roar. <laughs> I hate the monarchy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> about gas I don't know what persuasion would be but you feel your persuasion we're like no that's definitely a guy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. I've seen many men this is true <laughs> this is the badliest bat I have ever seen <laughs> alright so everybody's <sighs> but right. to Gil um, you, you see that the, the mansion is the grounds are surrounded by a, a wall uh, it's about 10 feet tall, made of brick. The top of it is surmounted with spikes, and the wall obscures the house's ground floor from view. You can see the second story and the roof visible above the wall. 
and it looks like this this stone wall goes around the entire property and it's it's fairly large but it also has like um trees and stuff inside the property line that go a distance to the house like you figure there's the house itself is probably about 200 feet from the front gates of the wall and it sits kind of at the center of the wall itself and there's like around the west east and northern sides it looks like there's maybe a hundred feet or so of like forest trees inside the wall so you do see that it looks like there is cover if you were to get into the grounds or go over the wall um so from here um what is what is the range of the building like the windows and stuff from the building here um, you basically, you think, uh, unless somebody's looking from the second floor, they wouldn't have a good view. So if anybody, if they're on the first floor, they, they won't see you, you can't see them. Um, and there's a lot of cover from the trees to get through the wall. And then it looks like there's a lot inside the wall itself, but you could, you can't really see the back of the property. You'd have to kind of do a perimeter search to kind of figure out what's what behind that. I think Hugella's already sort of like quietly nodding at the rest of the group and like sneaking around the perimeter looking for any weak spots. Yeah. Babylon would go as well and kind of see if there's some sort of other way in besides the main gate. And she's doing it very stealthily. Okay. I'm I'm just trying to think. Pressy is more of like a sniper. So he might want to like just stay here and observe from here for you guys. Like okay. you guys could sneak and he could stay and keep watch, but I'm, I, but this is like, and have a we're just trying to get evidence, right? It's not an assassin. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. What I, I mean, no, I understand. I like that plan. You could get a, get a, a good vantage point so we could have a signal, like a whistle or something. If you see someone coming toward us, we may not see. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's do that. And I'll let I, you I like- keep eyes on the house to see if the count is doing anything. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. I, if you're if you're a sniper, that means you would probably have I, better, you know, chance of seeing things from a higher vantage point than we would actually on ground on foot. As as we know from last session, I'm really good at whistling, so maybe I can make like a mockingbird sound or something. It's like the signal. Okay, so Pricey uh, shows you uh, what, what's it sound like, Scott? I, I can't actually whistle in real life, unfortunately. <laughs> Oh. Like a, a, a whistling bird noise, I guess. I don't know. I can't whistle either. Don't worry. All yeah, right. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> All right. So uh, are the rest of you going to scout around the building while Pessy yeah. waits? All yeah. right. Good. So which way do you want to go? You can go um, to the west and around the outer fence that way, or you can cross the cobblestone road and go to the east and around the other side. Uh, she looks at uh, the two of you and says, I hate to be the one that asks, but do we split up and cover more ground? Hmm. <laughs> if we do split up, if one of us gets caught, then not all of us are compromised. Exactly. She's true. true. The rest of us might be able to have some sort of excuse for why the one who was caught is alone or that might not compromise all of us. Yeah, to be fair, if Pressy got caught, none of you did. I don't think anyone would blame you, for sure, because he's been the hot-headed one here. Like, you guys have been, like, 
keeping it down low. Chrissy's just been like, no, I'm going to yell at you. Um, I do not know if the sergeant will approve of us splitting up, however. We are a squad. True. Sometimes we have to make important decisions in order to get the job done. Mm. I believe you said that. Mm -hmm. Hmm. <laughs> uh, very well. Then where, are, where are we all going then? Um, Babon will go east, so he has to cross the cobblestone. Okay. I think uh, Hugo will go with uh, Babon. Then I will go around through the forest that we're in. With with your puppy. Yeah, my puppy. Oh yeah, you have that puppy. Yeah. So Dupois is not alone. He has his puppy. All right. I have my partner. <laughs> <laughs> you do indeed have your partner. All right. So you split up. Pressy stays in near the front by the road in the woods. And the rest of you split east and west heading around this wall. And you see that the uh, the, the brick wall, it does indeed, as you're going along and following the perimeter, um, it covers the whole perimeter around this. It's it's a few hundred feet in either direction that you keep walking through the tree line and things like that. Um, give me those walking around. Give me spot hidden checks. Heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got this, guys. So, uh, <laughs> Babon almost trips over and uh, <laughs> falls in a hole, but Hugel <laughs> manages to catch him. And as such, uh, they're, they're, they don't see anything. But it's a little overgrown on this eastern side, so it's a little harder to, to, to cover. Um, Dupois, you and the puppy are kind of making your way around. And it looks like um, there's no, you, none of you see any like easy ways to enter. You do mm -hmm. end up meeting up with each other at the back portion of the wall. But it, it does look like you could climb over the wall. You just have to be very careful with the spikes. And you're not sure what's on the other side on this end. Mm -hmm. Now that you've gotten all the way to the back of the property. Dupois. Sort of looks at himself, sort of pudgy, fat, old. He's like, I, I don't know about climbing. This doesn't look like there's any other gates but the front one, however. The uh, spikes look nasty. Babon is going to look at Hugo and say, I believe you're the most able-bodied one here. <laughs> he has a point. Well, all right then. Um, I imagine I'll still need help, but all right. Babon can give you a hand. I'll give you a hand, and he starts to God damn it! God damn it! I set myself up for it, <laughs> and I knew you were gonna do it. Oh God, I hate my life. That's one. <laughs> I hate every decision I've made. I'm making up, up the board. No. Do we get a sanity check? The Call of Cthulhu drinking game. I just fumbled a real life sanity check. 
<laughs> Katie has temporary madness. <laughs> so, so if they're going to assist you, you can roll with a, a bonus die to your roll. Babo will assist. Yeah, same. So I guess I'm just like hoisting myself up. Yes, you're going to make a climb check. Okay. With a bonus dice. Ooh, so yes, indeed. So you are able to pull yourself up with the assistance of your comrades and get up onto the wall so you can get a better look at the back of the property. So what you can see is there is quite a lot of trees, but you can see through to where the back of the mansion is. And it looks like there is a, a garden back there. It looks overgrown with roses and other plants and things like that. Um, it actually looks like uh, to you... It might give good cover to get all the way up to the back of the actual house if you were to be able to go over the wall this way. Um, you can see amongst these overgrown plants, there are some like stone paths that have been laid and it, you can't really make them out, but it looks like there's uh, various statuary and stuff like that, like different statues maybe and fountains and things decorating the back of the house. And otherwise, um, from here, everything looks pretty quiet back here. Meanwhile, up front, Pressy, give me a listen roll. Huh? What? No, I, I just... <laughs> oh my God. So, Pressy, you uh, begin to hear it's distant at first, but then you hear the, the clack, clack, clack of horse hooves on cobblestone and carriage wheels. And you start to realize it's not one... And then you see through your vantage point in the trees coming up this cobblestone road from down in the town, carriages. And as they're passing by, you can see inside of them are these various aristos. And they're all dressed up as if to attend a party. So they're, and they keep coming. They, they roll through and you see at the top of the hill, the gates of the mansion start to swing open as these carriages start to arrive and they start pulling up the long driveway heading toward the mansion. Uh, I give the signal. <laughs> All right, the rest of you make me listen checked. Listen, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I finally succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> we all succeeded. I just you succeeded by you. one, Jamie. <laughs> Holy shit. I like, to, yeah. I like to think that whatever... Babon actually succeeds on a listen. He's been trained enough to be able to block out extra noise to focus in on something, especially right. listening for a signal. So, um, so you all hear Pressy's uh, signal in a distant, distant, like light whistle um, <laughs> on the wind. Pressy, make me a spot hidden check while you're watching these carriages go by. Oh no. <laughs> Ah, I you, know he's in a I, I'm, I'm using up all my luck now. The second I need to fire a shot, I'm going to fail. I'm going to like crit fail. Watch. So you watch these carriages pass by and, and you see in one carriage, you see a young gentleman and he is turned facing a beautiful young woman who you recognize as Melodie Benoit. And he is talking away at her. Um, make a psychology check. Oh, I'm really good at those. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, so she looks somewhat bored by him. Like she's 
not really that interested, but she's here, so she's kind of paying attention. And then the carriage kind of passes by and goes up the drive and in through the gates and kind of disappears up the driveway toward the mansion and the and the that area of the house. What are you doing, Pressy? Do you hold your position? Sorry, I pressed spacebar. My bad. That's hilarious. Um. Can I, I can't see the rest of my squad, right? Not at all. They are, they went some, both of, they split off, went somewhere into the woods, back up toward the property. You're not sure where they are. Okay. Um, I really want to go there, but I, I've realized now after my scenario back, back there when the prince got killed, mm. that I can't really do anything with aristocrats. So... And I gave the signal, and mm -hmm. why, it would be really foolish to somebody who, like, shot a flare, and then they moved their location, you know? It's just, <laughs> like, the reason you do it is to tell people where you're at. So I, he's going to stay put and wait for the rest of his group to show up. All right, so the rest of you are back at the back wall. Hugel has taken in the gardens and the back of the house, and you hear Pressy signal on the wind. Uh, when uh, Hugel hears it, she's, like, clamoring down. <laughs> make make me a jump roll. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, do, do either Babon or Dupois want to make a dexterity check to catch Hugel as Hugel catches her, her part of her uniform on one of the spikes at top of the wall? Oh no! <laughs> Babon will attempt. <laughs> oh gosh, I'm not good at these. Hey, it's extreme. <laughs> but but Hugel, you are falling and you see the ground rushing up at you and your your momentum is stopped as Babon gets underneath you and catches you and sets you on your feet upright <laughs> safely. There you go, lad. Thank you, thank you. She's sort of like shocked and she's like looking at both he's like are looking at you, Babon. Um I think we should hide or go. That was the signal. We should go to Pressy. Yes. Mm. And she's going to take off. Yeah. Babon's going to go back to the tree line and go back. Okay. Yeah. So it takes you all a few minutes, but you manage to find Pressy stowed away in his hiding place. And you see some of these uh, carriages making their way up the driveway. And now from this position, Pressy, you've watched as uh the lights in the house, like have the they've come up. There's like footmen who have come out and who are greeting guests and things like that, and waiting at the gates to direct them in. And there is quite a hubbub starting to uh, to build here. Mm. Melodies will make it difficult. It's not even half of it. Melody was in one of those carriages, <clears throat> and he like puts his hand to his heart. Abon just shakes his head. I don't think that's what we need to be worried about. There are what if she gets hurt? I'm sure, I'm sure she'll be fine. She's mm. a very capable young woman. Oh. Some so men, they just... They just... They're animals. They just take advantage of women. How dare they? <laughs> she stares at Prezi and goes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not like that. 
Babal just has like this huge smile on his face. But, but this might has a frown. As much as I don't want to admit it, this might actually be the best distraction we have. Hmm. We could at least get into the gate to the next tree line. I we, just, we. I just, I just don't want you going in there expecting only one host when we had a lot of guests. Hmm. At least it might cover our uh, any noise we might make. Hmm. And perhaps he will be distracted. I do not know if going to the front would be a good idea. I'm not good at climbing, but I, going around the back seems more... We didn't go far. There might be weak spots in the in the wall for us to... Mm. I, I, I look at everyone's soldier outfits that are now covered in thorns and leaves and twigs and stuff, and I'm like, yeah, we definitely shouldn't go through the front. <laughs> A, there's like a dog popping out of Dupois' collar. He um he just I reaches up and he, he licks at Dupois' chin. Are there still um carriages coming through that we can see? There are some carriages still coming up the road. Um, like there's a there's a good line of them making their way up. Hugo looks at the rest of you and goes, "Or we can commandeer a carriage in someone's clothes." I was actually thinking something similar, but... That would be illegal. <laughs> you can tell he's, he's satirical. <laughs> Babon is not satirical. He says, that that's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't protecting the queen and finding information about the death of the dolphin be more important? Mm, that is true. If this uh, Count Finelik is trying to Overthrow the king, yes. Certainly. A footman thrown in the dirt and knocked out is not that big of a deal compared to that. And determining the size of who we of what we commandeer, we could one of us could be the, the footman, one of us could be the guest, and the rest others could hide in the carriage. No. Can the rest of us see the carriages from where we're standing? Yeah, from where you are, you guys are, a few, uh, you know, maybe like 15, 20 feet into the tree line to stay out of sight. And it's starting to, the sun is starting to, to set. It's getting to be dusk. Um, but you can see them coming up the road and you hear them like the horse hooves and stuff like that. Are there like any gaps between the carriages? Because mm -hmm. if they're coming in at a steady pace... It's going to be hard to ambush one. There are starting to be, like, there was a group that kind of That's arrived in succession, but they're starting to kind of, it's slowing, so there's a few gaps now. As they didn't all appear to come from the same place together. And if it's dark, it would be easier to uh, get one on its own as well without being noticed. Well, Baba's going to look at all of us. We are military. We could divert one. Hmm. You're you're the expert here. I'll leave this up to you. <laughs> I mean, in character, you are. yeah. So maybe maybe we should uh, do like a a wolf pack thing, where one person comes in from the front and everybody else comes in from the sides. Mm. Maybe the front one's the distraction. Maybe like one of a, one of us stops it while the others. Yes. You yeah, have, see, look, that was a perfect plan. You, that was a great plan. You have the most prestige, uh -huh. more likely to stop to you. We, uh, Baba's going to look at his uniform and see it's no longer pristine. 
Yeah. Just have like a quick moment of inner turmoil. Just yes. clean yourself off a bit. You'll be fine. I think he'll brush off any thorns or. How's Chris? How's Pressy? How's his outfit? Pressy still looks fairly clean. Like you, you didn't go up and into the, the the heavier woods with the brambles and things like that. <sighs> maybe, maybe I could. I got the face for it at least. We could do that. Don't do anything foolish if we go at that. Hmm? Yes, don't be hot-headed. If there are any women in the carriage, you uh, keep your... <laughs> I, have, I know my manners. Now, what if this goes south? We've already decided to do it, so we're going to do it. Maybe, maybe at, any, at any time, maybe we should meet back right here. If any, if any of this goes bad, not just getting in, but maybe trying to get out. I, I, I Sounds fair enough. Hmm. He's he's the one with the plans. I, I, I. <laughs> <laughs> As you feed the plants, we be back here if anything goes wrong, and if the carriage overtaking goes bad, we run <laughs> into the woods. Yes, <laughs> into the woods. <laughs> we scatter like men. That is that is what men do. <laughs> she's, she's dragging me this whole time, and no one even realizes. Prissy, <laughs> Prissy just like gives you a double look, You're like what? <laughs> okay, so, uh, Gosh. so these carriages are passing by. Um, so, Prissy, you're going to step out into the roadway to get one's attention. I, I guess so. And where are the rest of you as he is doing this? Uh, Dupont is off to the side, sort of towards the back of this carriage. Because he has like hawk marks and stuff on his face. So he's not exactly someone you want to look at <laughs> so much. So he'll be on that team, I guess. Okay. And where are Hugel and Babon going to be? Uh, Babon will be on the other side of the carriage. All right. Coming in from the other direction from where Dupois is. All right. So you, you wait a few minutes in between and when, when there's a lull and you kind of dart across in, in the growing shadows to the other side of those cobblestones and you mm-hmm. kind of get in the trees on the other side. And Hugel, where will you be when this I is happening? I think I'm going to uh, follow Dupois. Okay. All right. So Pressy, what are you doing? Um, I was going to wave, wave down the, the wagon, maybe make an excuse like I, I, I need uh, like a cloth to polish my shoes or something. I, I, like I was going to head there. Okay, so you uh, wait and another wagon is, is another carriage is rolling up this, this cobblestone um, and you sort of signal at the, the, the horse driving the horses. Um, so he will, he pulls the horses up and he says, how can I help you this evening, soldier? I see your way to the banquet. Uh, I was too, but unfortunately I fell into a bush over there. We were told to be guards, but I can't be looking like this. Perhaps maybe you could have a piece of rag I could borrow. He sort of looks you up and down and, uh, says... Um, 
Um, and he pulls out just a, a rag from like the bench near him, kind of shakes it off. And he says, will this do, sir? And you hear from inside the carriage, why are we stopping? We must be going to the party. And he hands it down to you. Do I recognize the voices at all? Um, I can highly doubt it. No, you don't. Not this. Not this one. This isn't okay. someone that you recognize. Um, I, I <laughs> move up slowly to the carriage to get it. Is what's everybody else? Dupois is slowly making his way towards the back of the carriage, sort of like towards the door. You want to roll me a hidden check, please? Sure. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Wait, what? What was a, it? A stealth check. Oh, stealth. Okay. Uh, crap! Where the hell is my stealth? That's in the <laughs> oh, there it is. Uh oh. <laughs> uh, no. Okay, I'm not gonna spend the luck for that. <laughs> oh, it didn't show up for me. It didn't show up a bit, but I'm assuming no? failed. I got oh, oh. Oh. Yeah. It's not that much. <sighs> um, you know what? <laughs> uh, so you you were sneaking up. You did not want that. Oh, you did not. Oh want no, that. no. Actually, actually, that that is a crit fail on the part of the driver to hear. Oh, any. Okay. So oh. Dupois. Oh, I thought that was for us. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is. Uh, so Dupois, you you are going across, mm-hmm. and while Babon and Hugh Gale are like, oh. Over the, like, as Dupois sort of steps and the puppy sort of goes, I know puppy. The, <laughs> the gentleman in the carriage, like, yells again, why are we stopped? We are going to be late for this soiree. And it covers up the little puppy noise as Dupois gets behind the carriage quietly. I, he just sorry, Miss Jeff. He leans this this uh like maybe mid twenties gentleman leans out of the carriage and says, "Soldier, why are you holding us up? We are late for the con- festivities." Can Dupois punch him? <laughs> oh yeah, he is leaning out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <He's> exposed. <laughs> yes, Dupois can punch him. Please roll me a brawl check. Oh gosh. Okay. Let me see. Oh, let me see that. Which actually, actually, before you roll it, carriage? the uh, guy hanging out of the carriage. Yeah, roll like it with a guy. with a advantage die because he is looking forward at Pressy, and you are coming up behind him out of nowhere. So roll it with a with a bonus die. Pressy says, "I didn't. I don't want to miss this either." Missy looks over. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll me uh, damage as you uh, come up behind him and just punch him in the side of the head. Okay. Let me see. Uh, <laughs> oh, all right. Let's see. All right. So you uh, slam him in the side of the head, and that is enough for him to have to roll a constitution check to see if he goes unconscious. Oh, oh come on. <laughs> Holy crap. Did I do that right? I did that right, right? No. Oh, no. No. no you have to D100. Darn. Thank goodness. Well, no, that would have been good. Oh no! I mean, it's so pretty bad. (laughs) All right, so he, uh, you come up and you punch him in the side of the head, and this Aristo's wig falls off as he slumps over the open window of the carriage. Uh, What are Babon and Hugel doing at this moment? Uh, As soon as Babon sees Dupont deck this guy, he's gonna he's gonna head towards where 
pressy is, and he's going to make a beeline straight for the footman. Okay. Because that's probably the next person we got to take out. And, and Hugel, you see another figure sort of like move in the back of the carriage as this is happening. You realize that there is somebody else in the carriage with this gentleman. I'm, I'm going there. All right. So, mm. Babon, you are running for the footman who has leaned over and is looking back at Dupois, his mouth agape at this moment in this instant of shock. What are you going to do, Babon? How like how high is he on this carriage? I mean, he sits pretty high, but there's like a step to kind of jump up to the seat if you wanted to get up there. I, Baban's gonna climb up there and punch him. Okay, so you uh, sprint across from your place where you're hiding. He has his back to you as you do this, so you can make a brawl check to just clobber this guy who's on the back of the carriage or in the oh. seat of the carriage. Is he is he all right? So I'm looking around. Uh, okay. <laughs> Oh, where's that? We're Ocean Eleven. This the uh, the driver of the carriage uh, with his mouth still open and sort of doing the uh, uh, looking between Pressy and Dupois in this instant. Is it the unarmed weapon? It's it's gonna be. Uh, it's do you have a brawl? Did I? Yeah, that's um, unarmed weapon. Yeah, skill fighting brawl. Okay, I see it. Oh no. All right, so you uh, leap up and you swing at the gentleman in the seat. Actually, uh, roll that. I, I meant to tell you, roll with the bonus dice. He's not looking at you, so you can roll that again with okay. the with the other dice. Should I click on the white one? Yes. Okay. Oh, be, but because of the bonus die, you succeed. So oh, you leap goodness. up and you uh, just come down and do you hit him with the wooden hand on the back of the head? Yes. All right, roll me damage for the footman. Okay. Does he get a separate? Does he get a separate weapon for that hand? <laughs> right. Is it just unarmed? Uh, how do I roll the damage? Oh, actually, you know what? It rolled it for it. It says six damage. So oh. holy crap! All right. So he also he now, kind of did like the strong backhand, and I'm sure it's a solid wooden hand. So it's kind of just like a boom. Ow! All right. So, Pressy, you see this tall shadow loom up over the driver, and there is a cracking sound as the driver goes unconscious and tumbles out of the seat towards you on the ground. Do you want to try to catch him or get out of the way? I try to catch him. All right, roll me a dexterity roll. sometime. And uh, the, the, the driver just crashes to the ground with a thud. Point so spin that luck. <laughs> nah, not for this. This <laughs> guy. Oh, <my God. laughs> Why aren't you guys risky like me? All right, so Hugel, you are sprinting toward the back of the carriage, the door on your side, where you see a figure sort of moving in the back with where this gentleman is. What yeah, I'm gonna do? open the door and uh, go. Don't worry, nobody's going to hurt you, and I'm gonna punch him. <laughs> All right, so you open the door. You say this as you see a pristinely dressed woman. Okay. And roll me a fighting brawl to punch her in the face. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my god. All right, so you points. Just, just just use them. Just use them. It's 12, right? Oh, yeah. You guys know how much my luck would go down? How, what is it now? 51. That's more luck than I have. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Then I'll spend it. I'll punch her. All right, roll me some damage. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, 
So you you One punch point. you Roll twenty wide. Why? Punch this woman in the face, and um, her little pristine nose. You do hear a crack, <laughs> and she's like, and kind of falls backward into the seat, like slumping against the guy who's hanging out the window, and just sort of starting to. She, you see her face. She looks like she's about to panic. She inhales a breath. I like, just hand over the mouth. All right, so you cover her mouth, and she just screams into the hand so it is completely muffled. Dupont, this is on you. (laughs) Dupont will open the door and like sort of get the guy who's hanging out. (laughs) Uh, The woman is trying to sort of uh, kick at you to get you off of her in a panic. Can I I roll to like sort of put my body on top of hers to keep her still so Dupont can get a hold of her? Sure, you can oh. roll uh, a fighting right. roll against her, and if you succeed, okay. you manage to pin her before she can do it. Hard success. Oh, oh let's see. Hers is a... So you two are sort of scuffling in the back as you, you're kind of like rolling back and forth. Like, do you want to, do you want to push it? No, it's too much. I was saying it's way oh. too, that's, that's way too much to push it to, mm. the, to an extreme. All right. So, um, so Dupois, as you are like pulling open the door to get this guy, you see Hugel and this woman <laughs> in this dress, just sort of like rolling around, like fighting in the back of the carriage, the carriage, Babon, you're up on the top and the carriage is shaking around now. <laughs> um, Babon is going to take the reins of the carriage and try and just keep the horses steady. Okay. Well, as best as he can with the one hand. He's going to like wrap the reins into his one good hand and just kind of hold it just to keep everything steady. Possible. Can I start stripping the rider of his clothes? Mm. Sure. Like I'll probably spend the rest of this time trying to do that. All right, so Pressy drags away the uh, the driver and starts taking his clothes. Uh, Hugh Gale, roll me another fighting brawl check. Really? You're going to make me do this? You can do it, Kane. Of course. You can do it. Okay, it's a success. Yeah, there you go. Right, By let's... one point. By one point. One point. <laughs> um, yeah, so this time you manage to uh, pin her down, and you've got her, like, muffled. She can't scream. Duplois, knock her out. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, so, so with Hugel holding her, you have uh, advantage dice to just crack her over the back of the head. Okay. <laughs> Roll damage. Okay. Uh, there you uh, go. <laughs> she, she is unconscious. <laughs> and there's this little squeak from underneath Hugel's hand. So he, got his big fucking meat hands. Good thing Percy wasn't there to see that. Yeah. So you have acquired two aristocrats and one driver and a carriage. Okay. What do you guys want to do? You uh, guys sits up like, <sighs> she had a lot more fight in her than I realized. Mm. You handled it well, though. Thank you. Good, good job all around. Just thumbs up, everybody. Babon kind of pokes his head down. Yeah. Percy comes out of the bushes wearing the uh, the writer's <laughs> outfit. It's like we we gotta we gotta hurry before another one shows up. We- uh, Hugo looks at the two the man and the woman and then looks at Babon and Dubois. 
Well, <laughs> I will take the man's uniform. <laughs> I mean, you, you can't be serious. <laughs> Eager will fit you. There's no, I don't think any of these other outfits will be able to hold the puppy. I mean, I won't be dressed. I'll be hiding. I can take care of the puppy. I, okay. I don't know if Babon can actually fit in any of that. Can he fit? Can, can either of them fit in these outfits? Because he's 40 and he's like a big... I, 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 want, I want both uh, Babon and Dubois to roll luck checks to see if they can manage to get this outfit to look <laughs> normal. Okay. <laughs> if, if we have to, I'll switch. Where is the luck at? Oh, there um, it is. Andrew, I see yeah. it. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, no, no. <laughs> can, I, can I roll to see if the, the writer's outfit was a little baggy? Sure. <laughs> this was going so well. No, the, oh, no. The, 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 the writer's outfit seems to fit very comfortably on Pressy. Uh, meanwhile, between the two of them, uh, Babon has like the pants and Dupois has like the shirt and they're trying these on. And it's like Dupois, the buttons are like pulling yeah. on the shirt. And Pressy's got the pants like halfway up and he's doing that jumping. Like, <laughs> it's not like high waters. Okay. Um, well, this. This doesn't look like it's going to work. Um, what, about, what about you? Would you be able to fit in one of these? It would be weird just having just the caravan driver. We're in this together, right? Yes, yes. You know, um, you do look at these outfits and, and you, you figure you could fit better in either one than these other two larger gentlemen. Yeah, I imagine Dupois like smash cut to him I mean, in the dress very poorly. <laughs> I mean, if I have to, uh, uh, I'll wear the dress, maybe. And while while Dupois is like trying to fit this shirt, um, out of one of the pockets of the jacket falls a, a nice calligraphy written invitation to Count oh. Funnelic's party. So there is an invitation that you have acquired. Useful. Um. Fine, I'll wear a costume, dress, thing, whatever. I I know how to drive a carriage if uh, you want me to take that role. Um. Pressy, roll me a luck to see if you think you'd fit into one of the outfits <laughs> in the back. <laughs> would would like that the fail be I fit in the dress perfectly? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Success. Oh. Actually, kind of. I kind of actually <laughs> wanted to fail that. That would have been really funny. I did too. <laughs> so it looks like oh, I'm gonna have to go on a dress. Fine. Let's move these. Like, help me move this body so I can change. Yeah, I, I help. All right. So you guys quickly uh, move the uh, unconscious Aristos and their driver into the woods. Yep. And quick change into um, he now pointedly goes to like another area of the change. <laughs> I guess I guess the man likes his privacy. Yeah. And um, Dupois, you can see that the driver's outfit won't fit very well, but you think if you take off your army jacket, you mm -hmm. can you can pass for a a, a driver. Yeah. At least. That's what I figured. So I'm dressed as the no the the nobleman guy. In the yes, back? yes. So okay. you switch out the the jacket for the other. So Babon, what are you doing? <laughs> um, 
well, well, they're all changing. He's going to stay with the carriage. Like, he's going to stay where he is with the reins, just keeping the carriage there. Okay. And kind of just looking around and trying to figure out what he's going to do besides just hide within the <laughs> carriage somehow. Because <laughs> I don't have a, I have a very nice military uniform on and clearly not an Aristo. Uh, while you're up there, seeing as you're up higher, just make a spot hidden check for me. Okay. Twelve ninjas appear. (laughs) (laughs) Everything appears quiet. Wonderful. He's just kind of still keeping the horses contained. So (laughs) muttering under his breath. Are there any nice cigars in here or anything? What's that? Are there any nice cigars in here or anything? While I'm waiting? Uh, Oh, give me a spot hidden roll to see if you can find anything interesting in the carriage. Oh, yep. So you uh, you find some nice cigars. You find like the, the little cigarello ones. And um, they uh, there's also like a, a little tray set up with a couple, a couple decanters of like a red and a white wine. Like it, it's very, very fashionable. There's even some like some snacks for the ride, like some nice posh snacks that they have set up in here. And as as Pressy is getting comfortable in the in the back of this carriage with his outfit, uh, Hugel, you put on your outfit, get the the wig situated, kind of tidy up a little bit. And uh, when Hugel comes out of the tree line, Hugel has done a amazing job of dressing up in this outfit. Like he Hugel looks pristine. As, as this beautiful woman with the wig and you almost are surprised for a second. You think the, uh, the aristocratic woman has walked out of the tree line. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what's, your, what's your appearance? Uh, like uh, long blonde hair. Um, I, I mean, like the stat, isn't that a stat or something? KPP. Yeah. It's, uh, it's 50, but um, but now okay. it's like it's like Hugel looks amazing. Like he, he Hugel looks like maybe he should have gone into like being a spy for the army because he just pulls this off amazingly. Hmm. That contour is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Great job putting into the corset. I really should sign up for French Revolution drag race. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, du Dubois, as I like pull out a glass of wine for him. Uh, oh. Thank you. <laughs> I Hugo is just like noticeably annoyed and uh, just walks over huffing and uh, looks at you. Press is like, did you? What are their names? Do you know their names? Uh, let's see in this invitation here. Dubois. <laughs> <laughs> Do we know their names, Jeanette? Is the invitation sent? Is it on the invitation? <laughs> the the invitation uh, is addressed to Count Violet. So uh, you're not sure about if the woman would be his wife or his, or just a, a guest with him, but. Yeah, you just say Monsieur and Madame Violette. All right. So, uh, Babon, do you want to try to hide in the carriage? <laughs> <laughs> um, How good it is. Uh, <laughs> Babon is going to turn to the rest of the group, say, perhaps bodyguard of some sort you're an old war buddy that's a shoulder 
And then um, fired after he blew his hand off. You he's gonna. Go is there ahead. parts of like his uniform he could take off to make it less military looking? Yeah, he mm. could. He could take off the coat and and the, the other fixings, and he could be in just like his pants and his dress down shirt, and he would look a little bit less dressed for an aristocratic servant, but still uh, not soldier like. Okay, so he's going to do all that and kind of stash it in the carriage somewhere. And you do notice there there is a spot like at the back of the carriage that someone could hold and ride at the back. You know, like they, they do sometimes where they mm-hmm. can hold on like if they have extra manservants. Yeah, he'll, he'll go take that position and just stand back there. All right. Because okay. as a bodyguard, he'd be want to be keeping an eye out for everything. So it kind of fits. This will be a long shot, but is there any way any of us would know who this count is. Like maybe he deals in specific trades or something or where he lives or background. Romeo electric, Scott. Pressy has not heard of him. Everybody else can, if they want to, we'll see if anybody has heard of this violet. Oh, Oh, yeah. Oh boy. Dang. Nope. Oh, Okay, right. so um Well, you know him personally. Well <laughs> Dupois uh has Perfect. has definitely heard of him. In fact, um when you taste the wine, you are just like, huh, you know the vintage. It comes from the Violette Vineyards. And uh so you know that he is he is in the wine business. And um okay. and Hugel, you um have heard the name through channels because you do acquire uh you know different goods and stuff, and you're you're in that kind of in the market for things, for trade and things like that. Um, but Dupois is personally a, a very uh, much a connoisseur of this gentleman's product. <laughs> in fact, he's probably uh, passed out from drinking too much of it many, many nights <laughs> in the taverns and bars of Paris. Yeah, you know. All right. So as, as you are just finished kind of getting yourselves all you know, together, you hide your uniforms in the carriage. Um, you kind of hide your weapons underneath the seats. You hear the clop clop of uh, another carriage coming up the road. And you realize that uh, you need to get moving. All right. I, I get up on the seat and I. Yeah. <laughs> and Babylon right. hops onto the back and holds on. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, just uh, Dupois, roll me a, a ride. Just a. Uh... Uh, I have a one of my skills drive. is drive yes. carriage. Drive, do that one. Oh my god, that's perfect. So there we go. All <laughs> right, drive carriage. So Dupois, like, <laughs> as if you are all surprised, as as there's almost not even a lurch to the carriage starting to roll. Dupois expertly directs the carriage back onto the road proper and up the road toward the gates of the mansion ahead. And the clop 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 as uh you are taken through the gates. And as you go through the gates, uh, Dupois and Babon have a better uh, eye on the, on the mansion itself because you're mm-hmm. outside. Uh, you can see now the three-story building. It's, it's a mix of architectural styles. Like you see, uh, it looks like some classical Greek um, with some medieval buttresses here and there. Uh, it looks like they were trying to maybe imitate a tower type appearance. But it's also got some gothic runes from like old English design. 
And it's just so haphazard that it's it's somewhat unsettling to see. Um, <clears throat> so as your carriage moves closer, it, it seems like this building just sort of looms over you. And you almost get this like feeling like, God, that it could just collapse in on itself. It looks so it's just so strange the way it's been built and designed. Mm. And and you also notice mm. that it seems there are almost no true right angles to any one part of the structure. Even the roof line does not appear straight. It's just everything seems slightly off and it's just something it's disturbing enough that Babon and Dupois can roll me sanity checks. Oh, damn. Yeah. I knew that was coming. <laughs> All right. All right, let's see. Oh, excellent. Nice. So, wow. so as as strange as this appears, uh, you both sort of just shrug it off as Aristos and their and their crazy, yeah. insane expenses that they do. Dupont um, just like that's that's not safe. <laughs> uh, Babon is like, they're so cultured. Look at all that design. <laughs> So um, the carriage, you come up and around and the path goes straight for a ways. And then there's a circular driveway that leads kind of to the front of the uh, building itself. Okay. And you can see a lot of the other uh, people who have arrived have gotten out of their carriages and the carriages are kind of being driven around and parked along. And you actually notice a few starting to kind of come back down and park along the road itself because there's just mm -hmm. so many. Um, so you see that the gate, as you go through the gates, you see that there are four men in their servant uniforms. Uh, you roll up to where the entrance is and a footman walks down. He has his, a whip at his side and he uh, walks over to the coach and pulls open the door and just, just as you're pulling it to a stop, Dubois. And he draws the door open and holds it open and nods at Pressy and Hugel inside and kind of moves aside for you to exit the carriage. Um, Hugel sits down like she was sipping a, a glass of, of champagne, and she looks at Pressy. And... Um, Pressy goes first, and he goes around the other side and offers a hand, doing that 1800s. She takes it and leans close and whispers, <laughs> if you so much as touch me, so help me God, I will have your hand with her lens. I don't care. All right. So as the two of you now kind of get a look at this house, both of you roll me sanity checks. Uh, angles. No. Ah! Katie, that's eight. <laughs> it's eight, Katie. No. Katie, that's you, angles. You, you can't push sanity. You, you can't oh, spend no. luck on sanity oh. checks. Well, you can't push sanity or luck rolls. Yes. Rest in pieces. All right. So. RIP in pieces. Um, you each are going to lose one point of sanity as the, the creepy factor of the house sort of like sends a chill down your spine. They're, like you both feel like there's something not right. I don't like this place. <laughs> um, and the, the man, the footman who walked out, he leans over and looks up at Dupois and says, you could take the carriage back down the road. Nods down the footman. Um, at this point, Babon's going to hop off the back and walk over to stand behind Pressy and Hugel. He looks at you questioningly and he says, you can go back and have a drink at the tavern with the carriage, my friend. Oh, oh this is 
This is my old warfare friend. Yeah, let me introduce you. Roll, then, roll me a fast, fast talk check. Okay. <laughs> oh, good. He, he's the charmer, but he isn't the fast talker, apparently. Uh-oh. Yeah. Hey, oh. Just <laughs> wow. Oh, uh, my apologies. And he bows a little. My apologies, sir. I did not know. Uh, please, then. You are both you are all welcome, madame. And he steps aside as he shuts the door to the carriage and taps the side of it, signaling Dupois to pull the carriage back out and around. That, he does. That, that rag that that carriage driver originally gave Pressy, he mm. hands over and he's like, here, po- polish your hand. Make it like this. <laughs> Bobbin takes it and just like subtly behind his back is polishing his wooden hand. All right. So uh, Dupois is pulling the carriage around and heading back down the driveway. You three uh, see a double set of doors open. You see a bunch of other revelers have walked in through the doors into the foyer of the house. I want to look around and see if there are um, anyone that, that we know. Okay, make me a spot hidden check. I knew that was going to happen. Okay, I obviously am going to do the same for Okay. All right, so looking around, you don't see uh, any really familiar faces from the court or anything like that. Which, in one hand, is pretty good because at this point, maybe no one will recognize who you are. Hmm. Maybe we can do some scouting. Yes, Yes, we can. Get a layout for how this building is set up. Maybe who's friends with the count. All right. So the footman looks at you all and he says, "Please, the the party through the through the doors into the foyer, please." Thank you. Bon chance. She like a good. French aristocratic woman allows her date to lead her. All right, so you are led. Until Chrissy himself is, seems reluctant, and you can tell he's definitely like, I'm just doing this for the end. All right. And Babon's going to walk behind them with like his arms behind his back as he walks, just kind of keeping the whole bodyguard yeah, yeah. idea going. All right, so as you all uh, walk up the steps and cross the small porch and enter through the double doors. Um, One of the first things you see is situated in the center of this grand foyer. There is this man. He's standing in the center. He is dressed in popple robes. His right hand is extended out in front of him. You see one of the guests has walked up and is kneeling and is kissing the golden ring on the Pope's finger. And you hear, well, actually make me listen to checks to see if you hear what he says to this figure. Oh, gosh. How do I keep succeeding on the listens? <laughs> I, I knew this was going to happen. I burned all my luck at the beginning. All right. So Babon and um, Hugel, you hear him say very low, I swear to never speak of this night as he kisses the Pope's ring. And then he stands to walk away. As, as you're looking at this, this popple figure, you realize that 
the skin on the face is splayed, almost like somebody like pulled it away with a, like the, the skill of an, an anatomist. And it's hands also, as he moves away, you see that the hands are the same way. Where the ring is on the finger, it's all flayed and just this under skin flesh on this on it as well. And you're just completely just disturbed by the fact that you realize this is this is not a man. This is like a dead body that's standing here in the center of this room. And another guest walks forward and kneels and kisses the ring. And you hear again, I swear to never speak of this night. Hey, Jeanette, I have a question before you. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I warned you. This is a place of nightmares. Yes. <laughs> well, never you guys are party. <laughs> Go for it. Pressy really needs to be in the dress to compromise this. Like, just balance it out, you know? Um, Make me, uh, all three of you, make me sanity checks. Yeah. Oh, oh God. Sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> Nope. Hmm. I, I, I pass. <laughs> All right. So, Hugel, you lose one point of sanity. Yeah. As um, this, you take in this disturbing sight. And also, uh, Babon and uh, Pressy, you two each lose one point of sanity. I just saved y'all's asses because that could have went bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and you realize that you're next to walk up and, and you see some of the guests looking expectantly for you to also move up and and kiss this this pope's ring on your knees i think pressy you actually because i'm imagining like we're very proper about like my arms and your arm you actually feel hugo like tighten up she's a little freaked out so i i still didn't hear what i'm supposed to say when i go up there right you did not hear them no the other two heard babon will go first okay and trying to not to be creeped out at all and kind of suppressing a little bit of a gag reflex. Mm-hmm. It's, he's going to kneel down, hesitantly kiss the ring, and say a little louder what he's going to repeat it a little louder so that Pressy can hear what was said. So Pressy, you hear Babon say, I swear to never speak of this night and kisses the ring of this figure. And then he's going to get up and just very, like, rigidly start walking in a little bit further. Um, Miguel pushes Pressy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I go. Like, like, you push me and I, like, take, like, two half steps forward and look back at you reluctantly and then go up and do it. We, We shall not speak this night. Now, <laughs> Pressy, when when you're like doing this, um, having been brought up in the church, um, you are distinctly aware in this moment that having a figure like this could actually be very hard evidence against Fenelik. But in the same instance, you'd also have to figure out how to abscond with a human body. But it, but it is a sign that Fenelik is not who the queen maybe thinks he is. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we got the evidence. Let's go. And just put it. Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
Everybody in the party just tackles Prezi. <laughs> no, no, okay. So he goes and mingles, tries to cope with this. And Hugel. He um, takes a breath and. Are you so- Dylan! Stop! <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> um, she like takes a deep breath to sort of steady herself because she, she was freaked out, but not that freaked out, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, she goes forward and just very, um, like the actual female woman she is, you know, hasn't, you know, knows proper you know, manners. So she uh, very politely, demurely uh, curtsies and kisses his ring and says, um, I shall not speak of tonight. And uh, backs up. And when she turns to face Pressy, uh, Bebon, she just. Just like making yeah. this weird space. <laughs> no, I just looked at us. We need alcohol. And at that moment, uh, one of the servants uh, opens the doors uh, to your left, and it opens on a dining room that has a massive table. It looks like it can seat like forty people. There's huge candelabras that are all lit with candles. You can smell the greasy smell of the wax, um, and it's actually the smells like, ugh. It kind of stinks a little bit, but okay. You do see on the wall a painting of a, of Fenelik. Um, It is just this huge painting, and he looks like, let's see. I'm going to show you guys in roll 20, Count Fenelik. He looks like a small guy. Yeah. He looks so friendly. Mm, he looks surprisingly just friendly. Or the background, and he's awesome. I just <laughs> tried to be his friend. Be oh, totally. That um, I yes, to be. Oh, no. Um, so let me see. I'm going to put it up on the site too, up on Twitch, so that everybody can see. So, yes, that is Comp Fenelik. Um, and that is the picture. Like, you see this portrait of him on the wall. Uh, meanwhile, so uh, Dupois, you were directed to take your horse and carriage and head back down the cobblestone toward town to find a place to park it. What are you doing? Yeah. Uh, so as I'm doing that, I'm keeping my eye out for uh, Fenelik's carriage. The one with the, the white with the red trim. If make, I can't. make me a spot hidden check. Okay. Uh, duh. All right. So as um, the, the rest of your group, you watch them ascend the stairs and they go through these open doors. Um, you start to pull the carriage away. And as you come around the side of the house, uh, making the circle, you can see behind the house parked kind of around on the other side. It looks like the carriage, Count Fenwick's carriage is parked back there. Okay. It's been the horses have been taken away and probably put in the stable or something like that. But yeah, mm. you can see it behind just and you can see beyond that. You see like the dark shape of the gardens that Hugel mm. described. Okay. Um, are there any like how far away am I going to have to drive to find a, a parking spot? So, you know, that uh, as you guys were coming up, other carriages were starting to park along the cobblestone and you you guys were one of the last carriages to arrive 
So you would have to park closer to town. Uh, make me uh <laughs> We'll check what this may. Make me an intelligence check for an idea roll. Oh, intelligence. Okay. Uh, I will spend I will spend the two points of luck. <laughs> okay. So as you're driving around the circular driveway, um, there is a pretty good line of sight from the front door to the gate, but it has gotten dark out now. Um, okay. And you think that it would be possible for you to just ab- kind of abandon your carriage if you wanted to <laughs> off to the side. Okay. Even pull it into the tree line before you leave the property itself. Mm. Okay. That's what I was thinking too. I'll do that. Okay. Where and what do you want to do once you kind of pull it off and, and leave the carriage? Uh, I will. Uh, I'll sort of park it in the trees on the same side that I saw the carriage on his carriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will slip into the tree line there and sort of make my way up towards the towards the garden and the carriage where it's at. OK, just roll me a, like a stealth roll just to, and you can roll with an advantage die. OK. Ooh, hey, nice. All right, so Dupois and the puppy disappear into the foliage. Meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, inside, uh, so the guests are moving to the dining room. And as they do, um, the servant at the doorway is handing out masks for everyone to wear. And as you three pass through, you're each handed these masks to put on. As you cross... Mm, he looks back at everybody and smiles nervously. Inside the dining room, uh, the other guests have kind of started to circle the dining table and they're, and they're kind of laughing amongst themselves and twittering to each other and giggling and just having a good time sort of laughing. As you guys enter the room, a, uh, everyone has put on their masks and they've circled the table, which is covered in food. There's towering plates of sweetmeats. There's baskets of bread. There's whole roasted fowl. Um, and you see this person, this man sort of get kind of like moved through the crowd and pushed up onto the table. And he sort of clatters a few plates as he does so. You see that he seems to be dressed as Marie Antoinette. So he is moved up and onto the table by the crowd. And you see another one of the guests come forward and they're carrying a whip. And as he gets up on the table, this guest unfurls the whip and sort of sort of t- kind of teasing a little bit, sort of whips the whip at the, this guy and it kind of cracks him just slightly. And he lets out a little squ- like scream and kind of moves along the table, knocking things over as he goes. And everyone around you starts laughing, kind of uproarious, like a little, a couple people seem disturbed by it. A couple people toward the back are kind of keeping quiet. Like, and then when someone nudges them, they're like, <laughs> and then this person with the whip moves a little closer and whips Marie Antoinette again. And this time the, the man dressed as Marie Antoinette, it's like, oh, and kind of looks around sort of starting to look a little afraid. And then you realize that as this person clears the crowd with the whip, it's not actually a man. It's a woman dressed as King Louis and is using this whip to whip Marie Antoinette. 
and mm -hmm. everyone is shrieking with laughter. What is this eyes wide shut bullshit we just wandered into? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> on his man. Oh. Um, <laughs> that's a nice mask. Babon is, cover, as a very devout monarchist, he is, like, he has a mask on so you can't see his actual face, but he is, like, jaw to the floor, gaping at I mean, going even on. Hugh Gale is, and she hates the monarchy. <laughs> She's just like... <laughs> So, what, what um, you, <laughs> like you can see through the through the mask, like uh, Prissy's eyebrows are like, mm, what? What do these masks like, look? Oh shit! They're various. Just like some have plumes of feathers, some are more simple. Like they're just like an array of like party masks okay. for like a masquerade ball kind of. Some of them, some people have them with the little pole that they just hold them up. Others are wearing them where they're actually worn over and around their face. Um. And it doesn't seem like uh, the gentleman dressed as Marie Antoinette, like he kind of, um, and Louis whips him again. And you realize at some point that it looks like maybe uh, there might be some padding in the rear end of his trousers that he's wearing underneath the skirt and the shoes. And everybody's sort of laughing and having a good time and enjoying it. And then as the laughter kind of crescendos, the Doors at the other end of the dining room swing open and Count Fenelik comes strolling in. And as he does, the mood in the room sort of changes as everyone kind of just turns to watch the host approaching. You all as well. And he strolls in and some people you can tell are kind of excited that he's there. But a few other people, you, you definitely get like this fear like they're they're terrified of this man, but they'd never tell anyone. And he looks at the man on the table and he smiles this horrible smile and he says, Mon amour. So beautiful and so doomed. And he looks to the woman dressed as King Louis and he says, continue. So she pulls the whip back and she whips him again. But this time it's much more vicious than before. And he kind of cries out this time as you see blood where the whip hits. And then she whips him again and he starts scuttling down the table as he falls over and the plates and the dishes start to fall. And some people still hoot with laughter, but others are kind of pressing themselves against the wall, sort of in terror of this. And he's like, the Count looks and smiles and says, again! And Louis just whips him again and again and again and is like beating this guy bloody with the whip. Just, just tearing him up with this whip. And then, almost to this silent signal, you all are left sort of standing against the wall as the crowd surges forward and they start attacking him. And they are kicking and they are stomping this man as he howls at them. And they're climbing on chairs and kicking and stomping. I need you guys to roll sanity checks. Well, do we have enough evidence yet? <laughs> what the actual <laughs> fuck is going on? Bobbitt has a GoPro camera in his hat. <laughs> this reminds me of a certain uh, set of curtains in a certain underground area that had pigs. Oh my God. 
Oh, extreme. Thank God. Okay, so, um, Hugel, you will lose one point of sanity as you are pressed probably behind Babone and Pressy. Uh, yeah, I definitely am hiding myself. And and just watching this horrific scene unfold. As you I'm surprised see, it's only one. <laughs> I'm so happy I'm not in the dress. <laughs> uh, and they're kicking and kicking and kicking and Fenelik is just waiting, like, like waiting, waiting. And then after a very long, uncomfortable amount of time, he holds up his perfectly manicured hand. And they cease and step back. Their shoes bloody. And he stoops down and looks at the man who's now whimpering and bleeding and crying. He kisses him on the cheek and he ruffles his hair, knocking the wig off the man's head where it was still askew. And he gestures to two footmen who are standing by the door he came through. And he smiles and he says, almost tenderly, look after him. And they come over and pick up the injured man and carry him out into the corridor. Fenelik turns around to Louis, gives her a huge winning smile, like the, the biggest smile you've seen him give. And he says, come, it is time to dance. As he starts leading you out from the dining hall and through the foyer. Dupois, what are you doing as you have left the carriage and are darting through the, the cover toward the house? Uh, oh, puppy. <laughs> oh, um. Yeah, I'm just going to try and make it as close to the carriage as I can. Mm -hmm. uh, make sure there's no one around and then try and open it and like look around inside of okay. the carriage. Okay. What are you looking for? Before I do anything else. Uh, papers, anything out of place, some like fucking blood, if there's any in there. Roll just, me like, a, anything suspicious. Roll me a spot hidden check. <laughs> Okay. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> that was bad. All right. So you climb into this carriage and you are digging around inside and it is pristine. Like it has been like, it's always kept perfectly clean. So you do not find anything um, like evidence wise inside this carriage. I should have expected that. Yeah. Okay. Um, are there windows nearby that I can look in? All right. So... Where you are, there are, in fact, uh, a couple windows along the, the western side of the house. And also you can see that there is um, a double door that you can tell leads into um, the stables and the carriage house. And that's next to that. There's a door that looks like it leads inside to the back of the mansion. Um, looking really quickly, you see people shuffling around in, in what appears to be a kitchen that's on the other side of that door. Okay. Interesting. Um, I'm going to peek through some of the windows to see what's in there, what's on this side of the house. You okay. Know? All right. So you uh, kind of poke your head up through a kitchen window and you sort of look inside. The puppy's head comes up alongside yours out <laughs> from under the collar. And you see that there is a staff inside that are quietly working 
Um, they appear to be uh, making uh, some kind of desserts, you think. Yeah. As you see them pulling what looks like some pies or something out of an oven. And they're just very quietly, like they don't even look like they're talking to each other as they're kind of crossing and just mechanically kind of doing their tasks. Um, you see that there's a door opposite the one at the back of the house. And you can see through an open doorway past the kitchen, it looks like this dining room beyond. Okay. Um, boy. Uh, <laughs> uh, can I, like, go around to the garden then? Sure. Um, and see if there's, like, a hedge or something I can sort of duck behind and see what's going on there real quick? Okay, so you move around behind the house to the garden, and... All right, so... Make me a spot hidden roll as you come around the house and go sure. toward the garden. Oh. Can I can I spend one point of luck to make that an extreme? Of course. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> all right. So you come around and you see this overgrown garden. You see all these spiky kind of uh, pinpoints of needles and thorns from these rose bushes that are growing all around. Um, you see that there is a path of uh, black gravel that leads through the overgrown areas. And mm. you can see uh, from this vantage point at regular intersection, it looks like the path sort of splits around what appear to be ornamental fountains. Looking at the closest one, the first thing you notice in the moonlight that has come out is it appears the water has a reddish pink tint to it. Uh, uh. The statues on top of them, um, you can see in the distance, but the one closest, you're able to kind of duck around and you see it looks like the Madonna holding hmm. a, her child and gazing down at the child with adoration. But looking more closely, you see that she has fangs in her mouth where her lips are parted. And it looks, instead of, of her longingly looking at this child in her arms, it looks like she's going to bite the child on the head with these mm. fangs. Uh, and you immediately know how blasphemous this statue is. Oh yeah. This is completely wrong. And then you, and then you kind of duck and hide in the tree line a little bit. So meanwhile, inside, the party has moved back through the foyer with the dead Pope. And Fenelik leads you through another door into what appears to be a ballroom. Inside this ballroom, it's a long room. It's got very beautiful floors that look like they're made for dancing. And when you, but when you look up, the ceiling is, it's somewhat disturbing. Um, so looking up at it, you just kind of stare at this fiery depiction of it looks like one of the Crusades. Pressy, you think maybe the Siege of Constantinople from the Fourth Crusade, but it's not a heavenly motif. It's it's disturbing and dark and, and just sort of terrifying in its own way. Um, so as everyone is led into this room and they sort of mill about and you're looking at the ceiling, you hear a gasp. 
as on a small raised stage at one end of the room, you see a small boy start to take the stage. He steps up one step, then two steps, and then turns to face the crowd. And you also find yourselves gasping as you're looking on the Dauphine, the son of Marie Antoinette and King Louis stands on the stage, though just this afternoon you were told he was dead. I need you three to make me sanity rolls. What the fuck, Jeanette? It's a zombie. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. It's a zombie. <laughs> um, all right. So Babon uh, is steeled himself against this, but... The other two, you each take two points of sanity damage from seeing this. Babon, you uh, realize in an instant that while it is a very good likeness of the Dauphine, it is actually not even a boy. This is a small man dressed in makeup to ma be made to look like the dead son of the king. Uh, Babon's just still, his mouth is just dropped. I, I just, I just realized that French didn't really have cigars. They had like cigarettes. Yeah. So maybe like with those cigarettes, I like like I'm like nervously lighting one and giving one to everybody. Hugo just says no. Thank you. Bubbles not. He's just staring straight on at this, and it probably drops immediately out of his mouth because he was like lighting it on the way in and saw that and saying it. So, yeah. um. You see a woman sort of take the stage next to him, and she is a younger woman. She has red rouge, which indicates she's a courtesan. And she kind of walks up behind this small man dressed in this outfit. And you realize that he's a dwarf. Um, and she puts her hand kind of on the small of his back for a moment and then steps aside. And everyone's sort of looking around, somewhat disturbed by this. But then Fenelik strides forward and the other Aristos around, they continue to have this, this, this discomforted look, but they try to hide it with smiles as he passes by. But you're all starting to get like a very like, like everyone seems very disturbed to be in here. Like you almost like you don't want to be here as Fenelik walks over and steps up onto the stage and approaches this woman and this small man. And the woman steps away as he gets there. And Fenelik looks at the small man and he says, Ah, it is time for your masterpiece, Dietrich Zahn. And he turns and he looks at all of you in the room. And the little man, he, he cringes at this and he looks around and Fenelik says, It is time. For the music from beyond. You see, you see the man, the, the he, he, no, uh, but my, can't, it is not, it is not ready for, for, for this night. It must be practiced. I have not practiced enough. You will not like it. Um, I need new strings for my violin, sir. Uh, it's, I, I am just, I'm not prepared. You all realize he's terrified. He does not want to do this. And Fenelik glares at him. And you see him freeze up as Fenelik stares him down. And he 
reaches down and lifts a violin out of the music case slowly and starts to put it to his chin. So what are you guys doing as this is all happening? I, I mean, Hugel's just standing with the other two, not making a, a she doesn't make a scene. If there's, if there's any, any way I can get some, some like cotton or like, I don't know. I, I have a bad feeling about the song. After all the crazy crap we just saw. Bobon is going to lean into press, near pressing and say, isn't that girl here somewhere? The one you fancy. Can I, can I do another try to... You can it? make a spot hidden check. Okay. You don't see Melody. But then everybody is... I'll spend my five. Oh, okay. So it's hard at first because everyone is in their masks. But then you you realize like you you see this one woman turn kind of on the other side of the room and you realize that it's Melody. She's kind of put herself like two steps behind the gentleman she came with and her body language tells you that she is having none of this. She does not want to be here. This is probably the most terrible thing she's ever seen. And meanwhile, outside Dupois. You have investigated the kitchens. You have seen this, this Madonna statue of the garden. You're out behind the stables. And uh, you can make me a listen roll. Oh, sure. I'll do that. Ah, so you hear coming from around the other side of the, of the carriage house and stables on the back side of the house. You hear this announcement. You hear the familiar voice of the count that you met earlier today. Uh, announcing this music from beyond. It's very loud. It's very loud. Yes, he he seems extremely excited about this. All right. Well, I guess uh, Dupont kind of smiles because that isn't a cover up what he's about to do. <laughs> oh, no, Dylan. <laughs> oh, no. So he'll 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 sort of hang out. Uh, eyeing the Madonna statue across mm-hmm. the way. Make sure there's no one around that you can see. Mm-hmm. Um, and just wait for this music to start up, I guess. Okay. So inside, uh, you see the dwarf. He puts the bow to the strings and he pulls it back across the strings, almost like a marionette without control. Um, and draws a, a note. It's this caterwauling shriek that just makes everyone stagger back. So Dupois, you hear this. What do you do? Jesus. Well, as that starts up, I'm going to sort of uh, hunker walk, like, you know, video game sneak walk over to one of the fountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to try and see if the statue is like connected to the rest of the fountain or if it's like a, a topper that you can just sort of slip off, you know? All right, let's see. So um, looking at these, uh, make me a quick spot hidden check. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Um, so yeah, you're looking and these are, uh, pretty large statues atop these mm. fountains. It looks like you would have to, um, do some serious work to kind of disconnect them from 
the design, like the whole fountain is kind of one. Shit. All right. Uh, damn it. Like, how, how much work do I think it would take? Like, how long do I think it would take to get this, this statue off? Roll me an idea check. Okay. Let's see. And would that just be intelligence? Yeah. Yep. An intelligence okay. roll. Can I spend the six points? Sure. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So you you spend the six points. So looking at these, um, you you can see the other statues in the distance. You mm. think that um, the easiest one to take down, there is a uh, a statue of Cupid kind of off to the right on the far side of the garden. Mm-hmm. And uh, it looks like you might be able to to uh, take that down with a, a solid blow. And it's, it looks like it's the least cumbersome of all of them. Mm. It also seems less blasphemous, though, at the same time. Uh, what, what, other, what other statues do I see besides those two? So like, you, see, any- you see... Um, there is the Madonna that's closest to you. Off to the okay. left behind the house appears to be a statue. Uh, it looks like it's in the shape of uh, death. The Cupid statue is off to the right-hand side of the garden. At the far back, you can just barely make out what looks like a statue of Icarus with wings spread. And mm-hmm. then uh, in the center of the garden, there's a, a gazebo. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm sure nothing could go wrong. Um, boy. I don't know. I still want to try for the Madonna statue. I know. That seems the most, like, damning of all of them. All right. So what do you want? Like, to how, how, how big is it compared to me? Um, it's probably about half of Dupois, like, torso size. Okay. That's not awful. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm going to try and get it off while the music's going. All right. How do you want to do that? Oh, boy. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, let me see. Can I take my bayonet and, like, sort of get it in, like, work it to sort of free the statue from the rest of the design? Yeah, you can roll me a strength check with an advantage die as you're using uh, the bayonet to kind of give you leverage to try to disconnect okay. these two from each other. Oh, oh. so it you are struggling with it and, and you just managed to sort of like work it as there's a couple more of these long, like horrible notes from the house. And the statue kind of comes loose. It kind of breaks a little at the base. Ah, uh, well. Uh, make me a dexterity check to stop it from falling in the fountain. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <gasps> oh yeah, du- Dupont is like catches and is cradling this statue of the Madonna with the baby in hand, and is like. So you have a statue of the Madonna. Meanwhile, inside the the, the <laughs> ballroom, uh, so this small dwarf plays a few horrible notes. And everyone is like looking around. A couple people cover their ears, and Fenelik just sort of glares at him 
And then Celine, the woman, she steps forward and she says, Oh, come, come. We cannot dance to that. Oh, a wedding march then. I know. And she points a hand at Fenelik and the woman who is dressed as Louis. She says, I pronounce you man and king. Like desperately trying to kind of like break this situation up. But doing so, like you see when she says this, the Aristos sort of laugh and then laugh a little more around you. A couple of people are crying at the edges of the room. And then some people start to take up, long live the king! Long live the king! And it kind of breaks this, this moment that Fenelik is having. He stands there looking at all of you for a few moments and then he turns his glare on this woman and he just smiles at her. And you guys can see from your vantage point that he, it, the eyes are not smiling. He looks, they look angry. And he says, very well, but you will play the music, Dietrich, at the Grand Carnival of Animals. If you do not, your next costume will be that of a suckling pig. And then he turns and he storms from the room and the footmen come in and start to guide the guests toward the door as if the party has now ended. Does, does he storm through us or does he storm the opposite direction? He's storming kind of toward you, toward the door, because you guys are at the back. <laughs> I'm going to do something stupid. Okay. Oh, no. Can I try to like slide of hands, just anything out of his pockets? Just like bump into him since there's a shit ton of people in here, you know? Sure. I really want to do it. I'm going to one point and make it in an extreme. All right. He, I'm going to roll to see if he notices this. Let's see. Oh, no. This is an extreme success. Of that is a pretty good success. Don't notice it. Don't notice it. Right. Don't be suspicious. <laughs> Don't do anything dumb. Don't do anything dumb. I did the dumb thing already. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. So let's see. Count mental. Oh, Where are you, my friend? Might have been worth all the failures at the beginning. Might have been. I'm hoping that. that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there he is. All right. So let's see. That's where you just stand us all. <laughs> all right so run away with your statue run away. <laughs> take evidence away ah here we go spot hidden okay oh it's pretty good <laughs> you you, uh, as he goes by, you sort of reach in and you are able to um, kind of just take from his pocket. You get like his his like sort of like his purse uh -huh. and, his, and his cigarette case out of his pocket and trying to take them out and just sort of pocket them as he goes by. And he seems to be not paying attention as he storms past. And leaves the room. And, <laughs> and uh, as uh, the footmen are kind of guiding you all to the door, um, they're handing out to everyone as they're leaving. They start handing out these small envelopes. And on the outside of it, it says, uh, you are cordially invited to the Grand Carnival of Animals. 
to commence at midnight on Saturday, June 13th. And it says underneath it, attendance is mandatory. So you're each handed one of these as you exit the building and head outside. And everyone is like kind of walking down the road, looking for their carriages and things like that as the crowd is dispersing. And you all, what do you guys do? I am, um, as we're looking for the carriage, I uh, look at uh, Prissy and uh, Babine and I, I pull out the, the cigarette case in the purse and I go, well, it wasn't entirely fruitless. And I hold them up. Make a, um, I'd say make a, if anybody has a history check. Mm. I mean, I can roll it, but it's going to fail. I mean, you never know. I'm, I'm yeah. It's wow. Kill, but I tried. I'm going to just try just for fun. <laughs> Come on, Babon. Nope. All right. You so, had a better chance of succeeding than us. It's true. Uh, Wait, and how you, much is that? Uh, seven, oh, like. seven. Seven to succeed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to luck that. All right. Spend so you so spend, that spend luck. seven luck. I'm going to spend luck. that luck. All right. Um, so, Babon, looking at these mm-hmm. items that Tugel holds up for you, you're kind of look at them and they the design and like style of them and even the materials these are at least maybe a hundred years old they're they're like and what would be considered antique items and just it's kind of odd that someone would carry something like this as a day-to-day thing he's gonna kind of take it and look closer this must be hundred years old why would he use it I don't know, this guy really sucks. <laughs> I mean, perhaps he just likes older things. And as you guys are following this crowd, uh, the three of you make spot hidden checks. I think I broke Dylan. <laughs> oh, okay. Um... So Hugel and Pressy, as you guys are following the crowd, you see, you recognize uh, the carriage that you were up the hill in. It's kind of off in the brush. The horses are eating the grass. It's completely unattended. It looks like it's kind of gone a little bit askew as they've kind of gone to where the grass is a little better. And there is no sign of Dupois with the carriage. I, I I turn around like looking for him. Yeah, he got in and is like, could, could he have been captured? <laughs> Would he have gone to the rendezvous point? Dupois, I, do you want to make me a stealth check with your statue? Uh, sure. To, to, to which I think I'm going to give you one penalty die because you're trying to run with a heavy statue through the foliage. Okay. Uh, do I have to like roll anything for that? Special? Uh, you roll the white die; it'll pop up, and it's the lower two. Okay. Yeah, the lower one will. Oh, look at Dupois! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah. So you guys, at the last second, as the crowd is moving through the gate, you you see the the shape of Dupois. He sort of comes out of the brush and kind of mingles in with the crowd, and he looks like he's carrying a woman in his arms as he runs away. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be a good place. drunk. <laughs> I think that might be a good place to stop. 
Yeah, yeah. It's hard to say like over his very head. jaw drop. Like <laughs> that ball is just like like his whole expression the whole evening has been. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so yeah, so you guys are well. standing where the, 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 the carriage is left and you see your driver run off with a woman in his arms. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll 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 leave it there. Thank you for joining us for Uncanny Adventures podcast. Come back next time to continue our adventures. 